Genre. And welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this week we're discussing the character called Jack from the television series Samurai Jack. And joining us for the discussion is returning guest Nick English. Welcome back, Nick. Thank you. Um, I am a little disappointed that I did not receive the same treatment that my co-host got saying all-star guest because, I don't know, I feel a little hurt by that. I'm not going to lie. Let me let me take one more run at that. And joining us this week is All Star returning guest Nick English. There, you got both in there this time. Oh, thank you so much. I am happy to be here. It's always a pleasure to be with my friends. And really, amongst our guests, you get mentioned more than any other guest. I I mean, literally podcast. every single episode. I'm almost as important as the host Joe Dorowski, and maybe the producer, maybe. I- I, with the quality of our logo, which you designed, I'd put you above. <laughs> you're, you're cut above there. We're, well, all, we're, we're just riding on the logo right now. Yes. A good <laughs> well, logo mentioned- will carry you forever through COVID and all things. Yes. You mentioned Andrew. And Andrew, you are going to be jumping in on this episode some, right? Yes, I am. Uh, that's good because Samurai Jack is not something I'm super familiar with. Um, I know Andrew, you watched it, and also uh, regular semi regular guest on the on the podcast, John, our brother, is a fan of it and has suggested it to me many times. And it is on that pile of things I hope to get to. There's too much culture out there in terms of books and shows. Well, and, and I mean, you're literally you know. like watching or listening or you know reading <laughs> something every single week by choice. Yes. So. That doesn't make a lot of time for the things that you love. That's why I'm excited to be here because I know, I think the last time we talked, I asked you if you'd seen the show and you said no. And I went, okay, we need to do an episode about it because that way then you'll actually have some <laughs> like, exposure to it. No choice but to do it. Yeah. And uh, as I was watching the episodes that you had selected, I realized I have seen one episode of this and it was one of the episodes that you had chosen. Oh, and, uh, really? Yeah, my brother John, I think, had said, you have to at least watch this one. And I did, and I enjoyed it, and I remember enjoying it and thinking, I should watch that whole series, and I just have never circled back to it. (laughs) Well, Um, I will say that you definitely do need to at least watch the fifth season. We're not talking about that one today. Maybe we'll talk about it in the future so that you can watch it. Oh, yes. But it it is awesome. Anyway, I mean, the whole series is awesome. But anyway, continue on. Sorry. Well, I was going to ask, how did you come to Samurai Jack? So... It's kind of a funny thing because I um, didn't have cable. I don't know. When did this series come out? Like 2000 something? 2001. Uh, 2001. 2001. Okay. So, popcorn entertainment. So I was not in our country during that time. Um, And so I didn't actually uh, come to it. And I was thinking about this because I was like, when was the first time? Because I knew you'd ask the question. And I actually first watched it in college. Because a professor of mine said, this show has a brilliant use of color and storytelling and you going into the art field and being an illustrator and uh, learning artistic like color and expression. This is a show that uses color theory and color in a way that will, um, you know, that that helps along with the story and, and uses it brilliantly. And so we actually watched an episode in in my college color theory class 
Um, it was one of the shows that we watched. Um, I, I mean, I still love this professor to this day. He's still one of my, my best friends. I mean, even in that same class, we watched like Batman Beyond, Return of the Joker, He-Man. Like, he basically just took cartoons and said, hey, guys, check out all of this brilliant use of what I'm teaching you used today in mediums that we're you know familiar with. It was a really cool class. Anyway, so that was the first time that I saw it and I was just like, yeah, this is really cool. And I fell in love with it. And then, you know, I just watched the whole series. Um and not a lot of people that I would talk to knew about it. And it was probably because most of the people my age were in college when it came out. And so it passed by, you know, either they stopped watching cartoons at that time or um, you know, it 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 wasn't super well received when it first came out, um, especially with younger viewers, because it was a little bit more serious and long drawn out sequences of you know cool samurai looking things, you know. Um, and so I would tell everyone I knew, you need to watch this show. It's one of the greatest shows ever. Um, and then it was twelve years later that they did the fifth the fifth season. Um, and I met the actor who plays Samurai Jack. His name is Phil Lamar. He was at our local comic convention. And I went up and asked him, I was like, oh, I love Samurai Jack. I'm so excited. I have, you know, his signature hanging up in my wall. And, and he, he looked at me and he went, yesterday, I literally finished recording season five. <laughs> and I have to tell you. It is amazing. And my brain just went, oh my gosh. Like, I was just like, oh my gosh, Lena, my wife. I was like, oh my gosh, Philomar said it was amazing. And he like totally approved. And, you know, there's times when like actors just say, oh yeah, it was really great. But like, you could tell that he was like, this is a freaking awesome thing. And I'm so glad that we were able to resolve, you know, everything that went on. Um, and so, Samurai Jack has been very important to me for the last long while. Um, and I just love it. I just love it so much. But yeah, that's that's my story. Uh, Andrew, do you want to share how you came to Samurai Jack? So for me, I, uh, I did not get on it right at the beginning. So it had been out for a while. And it was, I mean, essentially like adapting to the expanded cable channels and cartoon network being widely available. And I think I got into it when it was part of the, like the Saturday evening run, um, which was also, like, that was when I was watching justice league and also getting some early exposure to anime. Um, and so that's when I remember it. Uh, and like I said, I wasn't in at the beginning, so I don't remember watching everything chronologically, but I remember getting into a couple episodes saying, okay, this is actually like really cool and pretty different. Like there's a lot of long silent montages or, um, late at night you were falling asleep. Well, no, I was probably, (laughs) honestly, I was probably mopping the kitchen floor because that was one of my chores when I was a teenager. (laughs) Um, but he's just like, he's just walking across a meadow and you just get like eight different shots of him walking across the meadow. And it's just the noise of grass shuffling, um, and so it's a really easy show to mop the floor to because you've got long stretches and then it usually telegraphs pretty significantly. Okay. Action <laughs> is about to happen. Boom, boom, so you can get ready for the action to occur. 
Um, and so that's when I think I got into it. Um, and there were episodes probably in like the second season, uh, that I was picking up on and then, uh, exposure to the DVDs. This is, you know, at the time when you could really readily go purchase DVDs of seasons of cartoons and watch as much as you wanted. Um, and so then I, I consumed it all that way. I just thought of another thing that I, I believe happened too, because it was right around this time that there was another series done by the same animator. Um, and I'm going to butcher his name, but uh, Gendy or Getty Tardovsky, Tardovsky. Yeah, I'm not good at that. Um, but he did a Star Wars Clone Wars cartoon before the you know, 3D animated one that everyone knows on Disney Plus now. And they only aired it in little shorts. And it was between Arrested Development. So I was watching Arrested Development. And then all of a sudden, these like five minute Star Wars shorts would be on. And they had one like every week. And it created an entire like, and I loved that series. I loved it so much. I thought it was so well done. The storytelling was really cool. Maybe we should do a podcast on that. It is really good. Yeah, but I I was like, wait, I was like, wait, I want to know who did this. And then like in my class, it was like, oh, it's done by the same guy, Samurai Jack. And I was like, what? You know, like, (laughs) but yeah, I think it was right around that same time that all of this kind of just like it was like in that year that I discovered Samurai Jack. And that that Star Wars Clone Wars series is pretty amazing like just visually what they're able to do uh and I, my my memory and it's been been many years since i was up was that george lucas became a fan of samurai jack and sought out again the tartakovsky oh to, you know, tartakovsky yeah that's because of uh samurai jack and the, the visual storytelling in samurai jack particularly uh and asked him to do the first star wars animated project since the <clears throat> late lamented droids and ewoks series from the 80s oh, man it's a tragedy there should have been more like 10 seasons of that. Yeah. All right. Well, we, we've covered this a little bit, but Samurai Jack <laughs> was created by Gendy Tartakovsky, as we've mentioned, and the character was voiced by Phil Lamar. And we're discussing the first three episodes, which were grouped together as Samurai Jack, the premiere movie. And these episodes were written by Gendy Tartakovsky and directed by Paul Ruddish and Gendy uh, Tartakovsky. They originally aired on August 10th, 2001. Uh, we're also discussing season one, episode seven, which was called Jack and the Three Blind Archers. And that was written by Tartakovsky and directed by Mark and Brian Andrews. And that originally aired on August 20th, 2001. And we will also be discussing Jack and the Scotsman, which was written by Robert Alvarez and Tartakovsky and directed by Mark and Brian Andrews. And that one originally aired on October 29th, 2001. And the world of Samurai Jack uh, is one in which a... Japanese samurai warrior who has been trained by many different cultures uh, in, in their fighting styles he actually gets sent to the future by an evil whoa, demon, whoa, 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 whoa. right? Is it, is it, he's a demon, right? He Aku. is a demon, yes. Okay. He's a, a wizard demon. demon. Yes. Uh, sorcerer. So, sorcerer is what he says. Ah, oh. sorcerer. <laughs> Aku sends Samurai Jack to the future, so we get a blend of supernatural and sci-fi because it's, it's a far future with aliens and floating cars and all this other stuff. And then um, also uh, like a, a more traditional wandering samurai type of story, uh, you know, from, from uh, 
classic um oh, oh what's the, the director's name who i'm trying suddenly blanking on uh seven samurai <laughs> kurosawa kurosawa yeah so you know the Kur- kurosawa feel feeling blended with supernatural and so i you know what now that i'm saying all this out loud i understand why george lucas became a fan of this <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty pretty obvious <laughs> you want to know the other thing that's really kind of sad about this well, Brandon Ushio has never watched this show as much as I've talked about it, and it ah. is totally up his alley. So I am calling him out publicly again <laughs> on another podcast because you're, he uh, needs to watch the show. <laughs> he really does. Brandon podcast. Uh, yes, it seems like you'd you'd be able to swing a special episode where he has to watch it, right? I mean, I've tried a few times, um, but usually it's like, no, I'll watch uh, Magicians instead, or I'll watch. <laughs> something else no yeah we could probably swing it um okay a little bit of trivia about the series samurai jack uh aired on the cartoon network for four seasons between 2001 and 2003 and then as you noted nick there was a fifth season produced in 2017 that was kind of the is that the wrap-up of the story oh yeah okay so yeah it's definitely the uh the finale and wrap-up and i mean they would be not very good to make more (laughs) (laughs) that was at least after that i guess they could say oh this was all before yeah anyway so i remember just because um i i heard enough praise about the series i was kind of aware of it as a pop culture you know as as just a piece of pop culture that after the series ended i knew it had ended in kind of an open-ended manner and that there were rumors for years of a live action film that was going to wrap up the story well Um, and what i what i what i heard being a fan and always waiting is one of the interesting things is that they never actually canceled the show they never actually came out and said samurai jack is canceled they always just kept it like floating and so it drove nuts crazy or well fans crazy like it drove us nuts because we were like wait it felt like it was still hanging right yeah like you guys are just hanging there and it's like you haven't canceled it and i mean there was a reason is because um gendy was trying to to get a movie made not necessarily live action or not necessarily cartoon i mean he was just trying to do whatever he could to finish the story and it wasn't until you know years later um 12 years to be exact that they finally said yeah you can have a series and he just was like yeah and he just like <laughs> went all out and it is it's a little more i mean it's a little more adult themed because smart you know, he was really smart about the idea that it's like, okay, all the fans of my show are now 12 years older, you know? And so the themes and like the, the just grittiness of it and like how the way it's done is really just beautiful. So. Okay. Um, I thought this was interesting. I saw that this was uh, Tartakovsky's follow-up to Dexter's laboratory. Uh, yes. <laughs> laboratory on Cartoon Network. And that he was speaking with, the Cartoon Network executive, Mike Lazo, and Lazo asked if he had any pitches, and Tartakovsky just said, you remember that TV show Kung Fu? Wasn't that cool? And I said, yeah, and that was basically the whole pitch. <laughs> <laughs> we'll actually use an Asian this time. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, and other random trivia that I saw as I was looking at some information, and that just very much dated it for me. <laughs> 
um, that when the series was going to be launched in 2001, in the weeks, I'm going to just quote here directly from Wikipedia, in the weeks leading up to the series, uh, the weeks leading up to the series were accompanied by a a sweepstakes giveaway sponsored by AOL, in which the grand prize was a trip for four to Japan. And just imagining like AOL pouring money into the sweepstakes i just thought that's a very 2001 that is so funny a little bit of trivia i mean even in 2001 aol was not doing very well (laughs) so it might have been one of their last dish efforts to like have credibility still yeah but yeah um and i'm not gonna list them all but just know the series was nominated for and won a whole bunch of both annie awards and then also primetime emmy awards um, for uh, for the Emmys, the for achievement in animation, and then the Annie Awards, which are you know for um, it is specifically awards given to, for for animation. It was uh, nominated for like in four or five different categories every season that it was on the air. It looks like, yeah, yeah. All right, there's well, a good before, reason for that. Yeah, it, it's um, <laughs> the, the animation. It's it's hard to nail down the style exactly because um, it's I, I think de- deceptively simple. Um, in terms of its appearance and uh, the, the the way that they've chosen to, to animate it. Um, you could look like some of this feels like cost-saving measures where there's sometimes, you know, yeah. seconds held on a still, which is a classic animation <laughs> cost-saving sure. move. But it also feels so deliberate that I think that's, like I said, deceptively simple. Well, it's just the, it's the blend of brilliance. You know, it's being able to create something that, can achieve both things (laughs) yeah well before we move on to the summary we want to thank you for downloading this episode and we also want to thank those of you who support us on patreon if you'd like to support us financially we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month all supporters on patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts which are shorter episodes in which we talk about the new media that we've been consuming and also any patron who supports us with five dollars per month or more gets to choose a topic for us to discuss and nick you wrote the summary for these episodes yep i did i i like to exercise my writing skills when i come on protagonist because it's one of the few times that i get to do it (laughs) and um it i'm not a great writer but i enjoy it and so um yeah here we go okay so i'll start with the the premiere movie this one's a little longer um all right so in a desert wasteland the moon phases in front of the sun energy and magic cascade across the sky and a large demon creature rises from a prison and proclaims once again i am free to smite the world as i did in long days past we cut to an emperor telling a tale of a Uh, telling a tale to his young son about an evil sorcerer that ravaged the land. And with the help of the royal family and three monks that forged him a magic sword, they trapped and defeated the evil demon Aku. Since then, they have rebuilt their kingdom in the hopes of never encountering such evil again. The bells sound, and the city is cast into a dark red light. Aku has escaped and is attacking the palace. Arrows, spears, and rocks fire and are only absorbed into the demon's form as he hurls them back at the large army. The young boy's mother, knowing most is lost, grabs the sword and escapes by boat, leaving leaving the city and putting her son aboard a large ship passing by. The mother cries with the sword in hand as she watches her son sail away. 
A montage happens where over many, many years, the boy learns many valuable skills of war from many different cultures and countries um, from across Europe, including riding a horse, fighting with a staff, Greco-Roman wrestling, archery, sailing, axe throwing, spears, martial arts, and pretty much anything else you can think of. Um, and now a grown man, the samurai climbs a snow-capped mountain where a Shaolin temple hides. Gray and old, the samurai's mother embraces him and hands her son the magic sword. The samurai travels back to confront a coup. He finds his home enslaved and working deep within crystal and all of the people working deep inside crystal mines for a coup. The emperor is whipped mercilessly by a coup's minions and the samurai intervenes and takes care of the oppressors easily. He proclaims to his father, with the help of this magic sword, he will strike down a coup and rec reclaim the kingdom. His father yells, No, I once thought like you. The sword will guide you on your true path. The samurai rides away to a coup's tower, proclaiming, I will not fail you, father. When he arrives, there is no one there. And he yells, Aku! I just wanted to do that. When Aku appears, he announces... We, we need you to yell in every episode that we have you on. So, thank you for, for fulfilling that obligation. This is, this is the second time that I've yelled in this episode, right? I don't know. I tend to do that a lot. Um, when Aku appears, he announces his... or uh, The samurai announces his intentions to kill him. Laughing, Aku says nothing. Nothing can hurt him, but... He recognizes that sword, and he was a fool to come and attempt to kill him. A fight ensues, and the samurai gains the upper hand. But before the final blow is struck, Aku tears open a portal in time to send him forward where Aku rules all. And he says, do not worry, samurai. We will meet again, but next time you will not be so fortunate. The samurai awakens in the future in a future super highway with flying cars, armored vehicles, and robots attacking him. After he dis dispatches them, a group of onlookers exclaim in delight things like, Oh no, yo, Jack! That has some shack shack jack! I never seen nothing like that! You a shitty de shack doll jumping into tea! Sweeping you like that, Jack! Munching on the jack of the jack! You like it, oh, you out! I don't know. The samurai asks where he is, and they tell him that he is in the dirtiest, stinkiest place, Port Sector D. He asks who in charge, and they all who is in charge, and they all start to laugh in delight. They say, "No one sees a coup. A coup sees you." The samurai is trying to cope with the news, and the friends suggest that he go get a drink at the local club. The door opens with electronic dance music blasting through inside. And all manner of strange creatures and aliens and bestial-like things are enjoying their time there. One is upset by the samurai's present and in a Moss Eisley Cantina homage. <laughs> he saves say. himself by cutting off the arm. <laughs> I was watching this with man. my, uh, my four-year-old who yeah. loves Star Wars. Like when he gets screen time, he just wants to watch Star Wars. And uh, when Jack went in there, he's like, it's a cantina. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much what it is. You know? yep. <laughs> pretty awesome. And, I, you know, maybe that's also why, you know, George Lucas was like, oh, you know what? He gets it. <laughs> anyway, yeah. 
A battle ensues, and a dog in an explorer hat and monocle looks at the fight and says, we should ask him for help. He looks capable, and as the dust settles, the samurai stands alone. He asks him for help, that he needs to escape from the servitude of a coup. So they can continue their work as archaeologists to learn about their past when dogs could not talk and once walk on all four legs. They long for the day that a coup did not rule over the world and send his minions to other worlds to conquer them. The samurai proclaims that he is on his way to travel back in time to stop a coup. They ask him what his name is, and the samurai recalls the people outside the club saying, and he says, they call me Jack. A spy overheard the conversation promptly reports to a coup of Jack, and a coup laughs in glee as the day has finally come that the samurai has returned. The dogs and Jack come to the dig site. Uh, the site is terrible. Jack says, even dogs should not have to live like dogs. No offense. <laughs> the minions of a coup are approaching from the south and will As soon will as he says that, he looks very awkward. Like, <laughs> He's uh... like, wait, that's not what I should have said. Sorry. Uh, another montage. Cue the montage. Uh, building all types of weapons of war and scraps of, from garbage unearthed from the dig site. And after a 20-minute battle, the one-man wrecking crew that is Samurai Jack dispatches a horde of Aku's beetle drones using all his training. Covered in oil and wreckage, Jack stands triumphant as the dog thanks him graciously. No thanks is necessary. It is my duty to oppose the minions of Aku and my mission to vanquish the very demon himself. Surely there is a way to reverse the spell and I can get... Find a way back to my home, my own time, and I will finish what I started centuries ago and defeat Aku, Aku's evil before it was unleashed. Spying on Jack through the magic portal, Aku exclaims, He is stronger than I remember. But no matter, for you see, little samurai, the world is mine. My eyes and ears are everywhere. Quest as you may. We will meet again when I see fit. The end. <laughs> so uh, the next episode is, that I'm going to do is the Three Blind Archers. Um, an immense army of all matter of weapons of war travel in a forest marching on a lone tower that sits in the middle of an open field. The army stands at attention waiting for the command, silent and still, Charge! The eruption cascades across the valley, and the army surges forward with an all-out assault. Promptly, hundreds of thousands of arrows burst from the tower, decimating the whole of the attackers. The carnage and wreckage cover the countryside, and we cut to a man in a tavern regaling the tail of the tower that destroyed his robot army. Samurai Jack asks him, Why would you risk an army like that? And the warrior replies, because atop the tower, there is a well that will grant you one witch. Jack finds out the location and thanks the man. Jack travels through a snow-covered forest and approaches the tower. The moment his foot is in range, four arrows land right where his foot landed and narrowly misses. His other foot is met with the same result as a Jack scrambles back to find cover at a tree Many more arrows follow the exact path that he ran. He sheathes his sword, and more arrows hit the tree. Jack then takes his hat and holds it out for the arrows to be a target, and nothing happens. No arrows come. He drops the hat, and the moment it touches the ground, the arrows destroy the hat. He looks at the tower and sees jackal-like creatures with tall, long ears and wide eyes. 
cut to Jack meditating in a waterfall where he has a vision of training with the monks and he is blindfolded. They remind him that a great warrior must be aware of all his senses. Only then can he fight the enemy on their same level. Jack decides to blindfold himself and fight them on their level. Listening to every gust of wind, drop of water, snowflake falling, and animals stirring in the forest, he is ready. Jack approaches the tower and starts at a sprint, listening closely to when and where the arrows are released and the shot he dodged and each shot he dodges with ease. Hiding at the bottom of the tower silently, he launches himself to the center of the room where all three archers shoot their arrows. As Jack ducks down, each arrow strikes a jackal on the opposite side. A black magic oozes and drains from the jackal and travels back into the well, revealing a human in its place. They are confused. They say, I can see. I'm restored. How is this possible? You have broken our curse. Thank you. Jack says he wants to he wants to make a wish, and they offer it to him, but quickly warn him that any wish he makes will come with a price. We fought to make a wish, and long ago, we wished to be the greatest warriors. And he did give us our wish, but in doing so, robbed us of our sight and our minds. Enraged, Jack wishes the evil spirit of the well destroyed, strikes the well, and the magic is destroyed. Okay, and then the next episode is Jack and the Scotsman. Jack approaches a giant rope bridge that stretches far into the mist. Reluctantly, he steps on the bridge, carefully taking each step because of the instability of the bridge. A board breaks and he catches himself before he falls. Continuing on through the night, Jack walks and he takes a rest, sleeping on the bridge, and the board breaks again beneath him and he catches himself. The next day, he is still walking on the bridge, and he hears a strange, blaring music coming from the direction of his path. A large, red-headed Scotsman happily approaches him, playing bagpipes. He says, By the look at your face, I can see that you like the pipes, laddie. He tells Jack as that he's been walking on the bridge for days. Jack thanks him and asks him to stand aside so that he can continue on his journey, and he refuses or he might fall off. And why would he do that? He tells him that he needs to walk all the way back so that he can then come back. The Scotsman starts yelling at him and irrationally come to the conclusion that they must fight to the finish. He laughs at the puny sword and shows him his giant claymore, saying it's bigger than yours and it has magic runes. The Scotsman cuffs, cuts off Jack's hat and Jack retaliates by stabbing his bagpipes. The fight lasts for hours and hours, well into the night, and to the point where both warriors are exhausted and they can barely stand. Suddenly, a roaring sound comes from both sides of the bridge, and Aku's bounty hunters are approaching. Both Jack and the Scot say, They're after me! They're after you! Aku has a price on my head! There's a price on your head? The hunters shoot some shackles at the warriors, and they attach on the wrists of each man. They are now shackled together. They decide that they cannot win, so they jump over the side of the bridge and the bounty hunter, hunters crash into each other and explode. They fall into a swamp lagoon, still attached by the wrists. More bounty hunters show up in the swamp and look for them as they trudge through the waste. 
The Scotsman is confused because he is the most wanted man in all the world. Why would they care about this small little man? They come to a town where there are wanted posters all over the place of Jack. The Scotsman stops complaining and the bounty hunters show up. And the two must fight together to defeat them. With a newfound of respect for each other, they break the chains by place, by placing a cannon shot just in the right place to break the shackles. Then they take care of the hunters with ease, together, side by side. After the battle, they share a laugh and bicker on who is going to be the first to buy the other a drink. The end. <laughs> Listeners, there was a technical issue during our recording, and it is now a month and a half later, and we're going to record the back half of our, <laughs> uh, of our episode. So as Nick was reading the summary... My computer just stopped working entirely, and Nick finished reading the summary, not knowing that I I wasn't there. He just thought no one was appreciating his accents and voices. It was quite unnerving, to be honest. (laughs) And uh, then it it took us a while to be able to get our schedules aligned to record the second half of the episode. So now it is a month and a half later. I'm sure our voice quality sounds different. Our recording setup might just be different enough. You're noticing something, and that is the reason why. And also, if we struggle to, like, particularly me, if I struggle to remember a name, it's because it's been a little bit since I was really uh, thinking deeply about (laughs) Samurai Jack and since I watched the episode. Wait, you haven't been thinking about it constantly for a month? Uh, well, it seems like one of those texts I could be. I just don't know it well enough to have done that. Sure, sure. I understand. I think there probably are people who do think about it that frequently. Well, there is. there was a video game that came out like during the course of the month that we <laughs> didn't record. And it's like the first video game that's come out in forever. I mean, I think the last one was on like PlayStation 2 or something like that. And it has gotten really good reviews and it's been fun to follow. Unfortunately, it is on a system that I do not own because it's only oh, on PlayStation. So I am unable to purchase the game. Yes, that's, uh, that's how I felt when I saw all the great reaction that the Spider-Man game got. That yes, was exclusive to yes, PlayStation. I was. Uh, yep, I uh, I got to play it for just a little bit, but then my brother-in-law got married and took his his PlayStation with him. So it's no longer at Sunday dinners. How selfish. I mean, some people. I mean, seriously, why? <laughs> but... All right. I'm well, sure I'll play it all the way through someday. Yeah, 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 someday. You know, when when all that free time arrives and uh, the access to all the media, right? Yes, yes. Confluence of events. You make time if you want the time. About Samurai Jack, though. So, Nick, this was your request, um, and could you just uh, tell me why these particular episodes are the ones that you chose for us to talk about? I enjoyed all of them. I'm not like trying to criticize it all, but I don't know what else is in the canon of Samurai Jack. But why these? All right. So. The thing about Samurai Jack is that especially at the beginning of the series and like there's four. So there's four seasons. And then there is a fifth season that came 12 years later. And in those first um, four seasons, it's very episodic. It's just like uh, TNG or something like that, where every single story is very contained in and of itself. Um, It was also because Cartoon Network at the time um, did not air things sequentially. And so they couldn't actually build like complex stories over an arc of the show because it just didn't, it just wasn't the way that children's television was made generally and television in general um, was kind of getting out, you know, it was coming out of that time. 
um, when, you know, everything we watch now has to have an arc that, you know, happens throughout the whole thing. Otherwise, people get bored um, because we binge watch things. Um, but during this time, it wasn't. And so every episode could have a very different feel. Um, one of them could be more of a horror story. One of them could be more uh, just playful, ridiculous. I mean, there's one episode where he goes to like a literal rave with a DJ, like <laughs> dancing around like, dun, 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 you know, and, it, and he's like freaking out. And we kind of get a glimpse of that in the first uh, episode that we that we watched today, like in that first story where he walks into the nightclub and he's just freaking out. Um, but they, and there's like one that's more whimsical with like fairies and there's one with like, and, and so tonally it can be very crazy. Like, um, and Phil Lamar who voices Samurai Jack, um, he has actually said that one of the things he loves the most about Samurai Jack and working on it is that he really does truly believe that if anybody sits down and watches it, everyone will like something from it because there's so much of everything in the show. Um, and so like why I chose these three to get back to your original question was because I feel like not like number, number one, they're the most universally loved. Um, so the, the widest range of audience is like, yes, that was a good episode. <laughs> um, because some of them can be very, niche you know to a certain right. audience or to a certain kid or a certain type of kid or a certain you know maybe this is the more adult episode and stuff like that and so sometimes when you're like you just throw in the dvd um or you know you pull it up on hbo max or whatever wherever you're watching it and you say oh, i'm just gonna watch a random episode you can get on one and you're just like this is the this is a weird show like i don't <laughs> you know i don't like <laughs> this is very odd i don't know why i would like, why did Nick love this show so much? Why does he like consider it like one of the greatest um, shows ever? Um, but, but so so that's kind of why I chose these ones, um, and also because of the nature of the show, where like he's cast into the future and stuff, and the fact that he's wearing like samurai, you know, traditional samurai robes and stuff like that. That juxtaposition is fun to like play with, and so like. I don't know, like, and it, and these ones had more of a classic feel to them, and they're just my favorite episodes too. <laughs> like, well, I, I very much enjoyed them, so I, I understand. Uh, I really liked the three blind archers episode, and uh, I, well, I, I mean, you kind of need the premiere to to ground yourself in what this world is. But three blind archers was great, and then Jack and the Scotsman was so different, but also great, but for different reasons. Like that one was more laugh out loud funny, and. Sure. Uh, the three blind archers was just kind of just the storytelling was so exquisite. Like the choices that were being made. Um, I was very impressed. And, and I, I mean, I, I think the, the voice of the Scotsman makes me think that one is more broad, broad and comedic than it probably is. Cause now I'm remembering like the, the opening sequence of him just walking across the bridge. Like that goes for a really long time. They let, uh, you know, they let the, it hang, they just let they, it hang <laughs> exactly for, for a very long time. And then when you hear the Scotsman speak, it is very broad comedy you know, in, in the voice work that's happening. Well, and that's, uh, that's John DiMaggio. Who's the voice of Bender mm, from okay. Futurama. Yeah. And then Phil Lamar is the voice of who's the Rastafarian guy in Futurama. 
So this I haven't I haven't seen an episode of Futurama uh, in so many years. Hermes, I'm Hermes, Hermes, Hermes. Oh, okay. Um, so you know, like, th- and this was also kind of during that like Futurama was big during this time. So like a lot of voice actors got together, but those are, um, you know, those are those are names that people would recognize, or you know, people would recognize. You know, and like Phil Lamar did uh, Green Lantern in the Justice League cartoon. Oh, the John Stewart Green. Lantern. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, he he's very prolific, but I mean, he's done a lot of stuff. I mean, you can look up Phil Lamar and he's done a lot of things. But no. Yeah. And 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 that's part of the reason that I kind of loved these episodes, too, is because you could see that the show. You know, has a little bit more. There's a range. Right? Yeah, there's a lot of range of what's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and I mean, the three blind archers is such a funny one to watch, in a way because, like, there's no dialogue in that yeah. entire episode. It's not like, like, put on in the background while you're doing something else, and you're going to kind of follow along on the plot, like you can do with with sitcoms you've watched before. You know, where it's like, okay, I'll, people are going to cycle through the office again because they know all the beats, and they'll just look up and laugh. Uh, you know, and there'll be something to laugh at. Like you can't really do that with three blind archers. It's like put this on and now pay attention because this is a silent film. <laughs> Yeah, and that's one of the things that that drew me to this show in a lot of ways. Um, so um, the other the other voice actor that is very important in this series is the voice of Aku, the the um, the demon sorcerer. Can you remind me what Aku sounds like, real quick? You know, Aku, I will destroy you, Samurai Jack. Oh, there it is, right? Um, right there. He was actually he was actually voiced by um, a very special voice actor who has a very who a lot of people love and they don't know it. Um, his name is Mako, and I'm going to butcher his last name because I'm a gringo. Um, but it's Im- Iwamatsu, Iwamatsu, um, and he is actually the same person who voiced Uncle Iroh in Avatar: The Last Airbender. Oh, um, okay. And it was actually the same thing happened. Well, he voiced he voiced Aku, and then during Avatar: The Last Airbender, he he passed away. Um, and during the last like part of his life, um, or you know the end of his life, he was still recording avatar, even though he was very sick. Um, and there's actually a great tribute in avatar to him when he passed away. And then another man named Greg Baldwin took over as uncle Iroh and he did a really great job. I mean, most people don't even know that he passed away. Um, but that same guy, Greg Baldwin plays a coup in the fifth season that is now 12 years later. And so that's just a fun little piece of trivia about, him but he yeah i mean he's kind of a beloved actor uh, for a lot of reasons because he's amazing and his voice is iconic um but also he played like uncle iroh who's if he's not your favorite person in avatar then we can have words um (laughs) i uh i am about seven or eight episodes into avatar now i'm watching it with my kids for the first time we did one episode on the podcast where we talked about ang and it was an episode from the middle of the series and I had and I just jumped in, watched that episode. And then um, yeah. <laughs> that was it. And now I'm watching the whole series with my kids. And well, you're uh, in for a treat. It's good. It, it's yeah, good. And I, yeah. I actually just rot- watched it with my five year old son. And now we are being them for Halloween. So that tells you how like it 
has, you know, like how much impact it has. I mean, he he loved it. Um, but anyway, let's talk about Samurai Jack because I could talk yes. about Avatar for another hour <laughs> and a half if you want to. Um, so one of the things that drew me to this cartoon is kind of funny, and I've talked about this before in previous episodes. I might have actually talked about it on on Dame. Um, is that when I went to school, um, I studied illustration, so I'm an artist, and this is a show that one of my professors said you need to watch this. Um, and I had watched it before, but it wasn't until college and I had a deeper understanding and stuff like I had watched it like because I didn't have cable and I was like, oh, yeah, that samurai show. That's pretty awesome. Um, but I watched it um, in college and they talked specifically about the color and the use of color in the show. Um, and so we watched episodes of it where, you know, he, and I mean, this has done a whole lot more in cartoons now than it was previously. Um, but the use of color and then the storytelling was unlike a lot of things that were especially out during, you know, Saturday morning cartoons and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so like my professor, who is a dear friend of mine still to this day, he was just like, this is a show that like you need to watch. And the, the idea behind it was also like when we're talking about color theory and why blue works with orange and why purple works with yellow and why sports teams choose those colors together. It's, it's because there's actually rhyme and reason to it. It's not just random. Um, and this is the theory behind it. And he challenged us to go out and look in the world for places and things that you could see color schemes from you know the world and one of the one of the things that he talked about and showed when he was giving that was was samurai jack and i don't remember what episode he had but i remember after like being in that class and just being like whoa this is really cool i went and found it and then just binged the whole thing and loved it um mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons um and so and and that was something that getty was is known for like him as a content creator as a as a show creator and a head writer in shows he um he 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 makes that a point in every show that he is even in powerpuff girls <laughs> you know which was one of his shows too you know yeah. like like the use of color and and stuff is very important but like this was one like and he even i mean this 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 series was one like his baby. Like this was like, this is what I want to make. This is not what people are asking me to make. Um, and he always, and that's also part of the reason that it took so long to have a season five um, was because he wanted, he originally had planned it as a movie. He was just going to release a movie to be aired in theaters that would wrap up the story. And we don't know what the end of that is because we didn't watch those episodes. Um, but I do really feel like we could do an entire <laughs> like episode about season five, because it is unlike the other four, um, a story that continues throughout the whole season, um, which, so is it, which is yeah, it's really good. Jack is wandering through the four seasons in the future. Right. And in, in the fifth, is it where more time hopping and, and resolution to the grand 
mythology. Yeah, so down. so in the fifth season, um, it's fifty years. He's he's been in the future for fifty years, so he's older, but he hasn't aged. He looks exactly the same. So that's part of the magic, and part of the sorcery is that, um, that he hasn't aged, and so he's had all of these adventures and wandered around and done all of these things for years and years and years, and. And he actually, um, there's a whole story arc. And then at the end, you know, it resolves. Um, and it's throughout the whole thing. And it's re it, the, the world building and the story and everything is just really well done. Um, and it actually, I love it. Some people don't love it. I mean, you know, it's always controversial, people are always yeah, like i love it i know it's, it's, it's <laughs> you know? tricky for, but, for popular properties but one of the one of the um the overarching themes of this show which is kind of i don't know if it's i i feel like it's a positive thing but it's it's a show that actually depicts loneliness in a really poignant way and in these episodes you don't get i mean you kind of get it um you get, a, I think, a sense of displacement. You get a sti- but, but like in, through, it needs one. Yeah, and and throughout the sh- and throughout the series, he gets, uh, you know, you get the sense that I mean, he because he's always wearing his samurai clothes, like he never goes and he's like, oh, you know what, I'm gonna. I mean, there's there's times that he'll like make armor out of stuff. Like, I mean, we saw that in this episode, but, but, but like, it's never, he's never like times trying to that fit he like. And... No, he never yeah, does. Like, there's the there's times that he'll like. He'll like disguise himself, you know, or something. Um, but he always goes back to what he knows um, so that you always get that sense that he is out of out of place, out of time. And everywhere he goes, his his like stoic and just determination for this one thing is what drives him throughout every single story. You know, like he'll be like, oh. Well, I can help out these dogs that, you know, need my help. But my ultimate goal is always going to be I need to figure out how to get back to where I'm from so that I can defeat a coup and change what's gone on. Like, this is terrible. Um, And it's that constant reminder as he goes through the world that, like, everyone is oppressed. Like everyone knows who a coup is. He's the big bad. Everyone's like, and, and like, even in that first episode, like, wait, you don't know who a coup is or like, mm-hmm. you don't know who the, the big, you know, like everybody knows a coup. What's the deal? What's your deal? Where you been? And so he, he rarely makes friends and he rarely stays in a place f- for very long because it's just that constant, like loneliness that drives him. And in these three episodes, you learn why, you see him basically just like leave a situation because he's like, Oh, this is my one chance. And then he's alone. And then at the final, when he finds out that the well is not what he thought it would be, you, you know, the emotion comes out. His loneliness mm-hmm. is, is, you know, emitted. And I mean, all of the stress and everything is just like, ah, and yeah. then, and then he continues on. And then, you know, with the Scotsman, it's the same thing. He's like, look, I need to cross this bridge. And this custom's like, I'm not letting you by, you know, like, you know, and, and he's just like, no, uh, I, I don't, I don't care. And and it's not until they find a common commonality or a common ground that he lets his 
guard down and says, oh, you know what? We can be friends. Let's finish up here. And then, you know, we'll go their separate ways. There are actually more episodes with the Scotsman. They're not quite as good. Um, this one's definitely the best one. Um, but but that is a one of the reoccurring characters, and that's part of the reason that I wanted to bring him in, too. Okay. Was because he's he's kind of a fan favorite, and he's also like a reoccurring character in more than one episode. Which I think there's two or three. I, it's not very many, um, but you know that's it's part of it. I mean, w- one thing that you said this is a while back, but you said Phil Lamar had said that one thing that he likes about Samurai Jack is that there's kind of something for everyone because it has so much going on. And when you get stories that are doing that kind of pastiche of multiple genres and multiple um, styles and different character types all thrown together. I think the uh, variance on, on like how well it's going to work gets wider and wider. The more you're throwing in where it's like, this is going to be really bad or it's going to be really great. And Samurai Jack seems to be landing on the really great <laughs> end of the spectrum. Uh, and, and, but, but you can, I'm sure uh, nothing's coming to mind immediately, but there, I, I know there are like pastiche style shows that are just like, mm, it's just not working. Like, well, it, and that's it, why it you feels- didn't remember it. <laughs> you it feels know, like, too discordant. Yeah, it feels yeah. too discordant. It doesn't feel like a whole. It doesn't feel like a cohesive universe that's being created. Samurai Jack does, but it's also so bizarre what is getting thrown in there. Um, so like just the, you know, the Scotsman. Like the the, the episode is a samurai in the future crossing a bridge, and he comes across Scotchman, a Scotsman, and and then there's you know the flying uh, cars with Aku's minions on it, yeah, and, and, like it's robot just, assassins, yeah, it, robot assassins and flying cars. Like it gets so weird, but it also like there's something so simplistic about the initial conflict between Samurai Jack and the Scotsman, and the the way that the silent storytelling builds the tension of these two. Um, people crossing the bridge and neither one wants to give way. And then when the Scotsman talks, like it just breaks some of that tension because the voice is so broadly done (laughs) and so comedically (laughs) done. Um, But, you know, that's introducing yet another unexpected element, uh, you know, in in this. And so I think there's something pretty masterful to be able to bring in so many discordant elements and yet have it feel like one harmonious whole that's being produced. Well, and I will say that, like, there are misses. Like, I'm not going to tell I'm not going to tell you that every episode is gold. Yeah. And I think means. that's, uh, you, you know, know, the nature of this kind of thing is sometimes you, you're you are in essence throwing spaghetti against the wall and not every noodle is going to stick, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you're just going to figure it out. And I mean, there I mean, there's episodes that people are just like, oh, that's weird, you know. But then, I mean, there's 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 so much that is that is good. And that driving the thing that keeps it cohesive, in my opinion, is that he has that single mindedness. Like every episode you go in and you and you know that like something's going to happen, you know, I mean, much like a comic book or something like that. I was like, OK, well, Captain America is always going to try to save the day or Superman, you know, like I, I can depend on him for this reason. Um, and, you know, maybe there's a time that he doesn't and then it really throws you for a loop. But like the story itself is going to be this is this is what I can expect that he's going to run into something. Either he's going to find out a way that he might be able to go back in time or somebody is going to be oppressed by a coup in some way. And he knows that he can help. And so he does, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and then at the <laughs> end he goes on his way <laughs> and goes and tries to find something else. And so uh, there's something comforting in that, but you know, 
But I, I think in order <laughs> you know? to achieve the kind of uh, special moments where it does all come together, you have to be willing to do those experiments that maybe aren't going to work, where you are pushing the envelope of what kind of story you're going to tell in the series, what uh, different generic elements you're going to bring in, what character types you're going to bring in. And sometimes you're going to capture magic and sometimes you're going to say, ah, that, that one just didn't work quite as well for me. But that willingness to be so experimental is what results in some of these very special episodes. Well, and I think that that's also like Getty Tartatoski, I always bird her names. Anyway, his his genius is that he he's known as a showrunner who gives he, he like if one of the things that a lot of people talked about with this show, too, is that a lot of showrunners will be like, no, this is exactly how it has to be always all the time. I'm having full control. You're not changing anything. And one of the things that he did is he gave a lot of creative control and f- the feel of the show to the director. And so he would say, OK, what is the story that you want to tell? I have this really awesome character. You can play with whatever you want. Do what you want. <laughs> And so there were so many times that like directors would just create amazing stuff. And then there was times that directors didn't get, you know, reined in enough. And it was kind of like, oh, it was kind of weird what you did there, but okay. (laughs) You know, and so like you get these contrasting styles of directors. And that was because Getty was so like he had a vision. He said, okay, this is what I want it to look like. This is, you know, the style. This is who Samurai Jack is. This is what he's trying to achieve. If you want to tell a story that is a samurai story, great. If you want to do a Western, we'll do that. If you want to do a space opera, let's do it. You know, like if you want to do a comedy, let's do a comedy. You know, like if you want to do, you know, Tarzan and the apes where like, then we'll do that. And, you know, if you want to have an assassin come in to kill him and it's like this big thing where like he's hiding from the assassin let's do that and it's part of the brilliance of the show um in my opinion and there's like there's this one there's this one episode that is just weird and you could tell that this guy was probably on some sort of (laughs) something mind-altering yeah mind-altering substance and like samurai jet goes into the ocean and there's these group of people that like breathe in bubbles and and like they have this weird it's just so weird you know it's like the late star trek episodes but it just got weird <laughs> and it was like you know a 60s party of like yeah, hallucination it's, it's and stuff right. yeah just just stuff like and and it's just like you know what i totally appreciate this for what it is it's just not quite working but like that's you know like yeah it's it's just fun and it's funny too because my my son knows that I love Samurai Jack. He knows because I have drawings and paintings and stuff, and he's just kind of around, um, you know, and I talk about him sometimes. And I've actually made him in our D&D game. So Samurai Jack is like a reoccurring NPC in our Dungeons and Dragons role playing <laughs> game just because, you know, I mean, he's a great character. And um, Wait, are you doing that D&D game with your son? He is a part of it. Um, it's actually a couple people around and my wife, who is a saint and plays, and she actually really enjoys it. But he would watch us play, and then he said, hey, I want to play. And so um, he's really into the movie Onward, and he mm-hmm. loves Ian. And so I made Ian in D&D, and he plays as Ian. Um, his attention span is not... 
enough that he can stay in the place and play. And so he just comes in for the battles and says, I cast Voltar Thundersphere. And everyone's like, yeah. Then he hits the, you know, hits him and then leaves because he's like, I'm going to go watch shows now. And we're like, great, buddy. Have fun. Um, But yeah, like, and he's, you know, and like, I mean, he comes and plays as much as a five-year-old will come. And, um, eventually I will like start a game that's much more simplistic for him and more linear and stuff, less sandboxy, but yes. So uh, he's, he, uh, he's very much nerdified, um, in a lot of ways, but it's inevitable for some children, right? Which, you know, it's, I don't think is a bad thing. Um, I do want to uh, address one thing that I thought was interesting between the three blind archers and Jack and the Scotsman okay. is the way the, the story beats go of Jack encountering an obstacle and what he has to do to overcome the ox- obstacle. In both instances, the obstacle, uh, the initial obstacle at least, becomes uh, an ally. Uh, and uh, in the case of uh, the, the three blind archers, it is he's, he's able to break these three archers from the spell of Aku. Uh, am I remembering that all correctly? Yes. <laughs> and well, and it's, then... the, it's the, it's the spell of the well and the well mm-hmm. was placed there from magic from a coup. Oh, okay. And so, uh, but, yeah. but then it's like the, the, there's the bigger bad behind, you know, that was causing yeah. them to be an antagonist to him. And in yeah. the case of uh, Jack and the Scotsman, it's there, there's nothing that's motivating them to fight other than that. They're, jo- they're both very stubborn. And, yes. <laughs> um, but then this, <laughs> Uh, exterior other comes along in the in the uh, form of the bounty hunters uh, that then unites them to fight the bounty hunters. There's and... a bounty on my head. There's a bounty on your head. <laughs> yeah. Wait, they're and, after and, me. And they now respect each other. So um, I, I just thought it was interesting to see what what you know the, the obstacle to be overcome ended up becoming uh, something that he he could free from uh, a greater foe, or they could see that there was a greater foe that they needed to address. And, uh, they, you know, he, he doesn't have to like kill the bad guys, right. <laughs> that he, that he's encountering. Well, and I, you know, and I think that's partially because it's supposed to be a kid's show. So mm-hmm. like, you don't want to encourage like every, <laughs> everything uh, uh, to be like, destroy everything. And be then resolved we'll, through violence. We'll, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Criticism of a lot of these kinds of shows and superhero shows. And, um, <laughs> But but I do, I, I do like that the in Jack and the Scotsman the conflict is just so clear, but it's also so it would be so easy to resolve. <laughs> it's like just but lay on the ground and let him walk over the top yeah. of you, Jack. Like, but then he's like, "Oh, you'll see under my kilt," you know. And it's like, "Oh, yeah, that's probably good. That's probably you know." It's, uh, but it's antithetical to who these characters are, and so like we get to know who these characters are by their unwillingness to to budge, even as. Um, like like frustrating or exasperating it is that neither of them will budge it is also feels right that they wouldn't well and 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 that is a i mean it's funny that you picked it up on that just with two episodes because it is a theme throughout the whole show is that he will people will befriend him and he'll save them and then like the more and more he does that, the more and more P- Aku just gets more and more mad. He's like, "Ah, oh, I must destroy." You know, he's like, "Ah, um, samurai, I will destroy you." You know, he's just, he's just, you know, more and more irate. But the other thing that's funny about Aku is that he's no dummy. He's been living for thousands and thousands of years and preparing for the one thing that can kill him or defeat him. You know, he knows that there's literally one thing. Uh-huh. Um, and he, 
even at the end of the episode of that first movie, you know, the first episodes, the origin story, he says at the end, you know, I will, I'll, I'll wait and I'll, you know, I'll pounce when I'm ready. Um, and the more and more the show goes on, you realize that Aku has been just preparing just crazy stuff for, for Jack, you know, a millennia just for Jack. Like most of the stuff that he's done is, yeah, you know, it's fun to oppress this guy and it's fun to oppress this guy. But the more and more it happens, the more and more you realize that he like created this little place over here that was specifically training to kill a samurai. And then over here, there's all this army of robots that has been hidden in the Sith world for, you know, anyway, you know, like, yeah. just, and, and like, his driving force and everything was also that's like he put a well in the middle of just a random place you know just <laughs> thinking of every possible way that he could try to thwart what's going on and in a way you know it makes the resolution even sweeter because you know of everything that jack had to overcome and it wasn't just you know an army of robots that attack a bunch of dogs or a single tower that has three archers that can't miss, you know, or a Scotsman that's just <laughs> stubborn as all can be. And he can't cross a bridge, you know? Um, yeah. And I think that that's, that's the beauty of it. And I, I mean, I would have loved, I, I know I always go back to it, but the fifth season is so good <laughs> that it's just like, it's almost like the show was good. And then they resolved it and it was just great. You know, like it was just like, oh, yes, now it all makes sense. And I mean, I, that makes me more excited to go engage with it because, um, you know, there's so many pop culture properties that people get disappointed or let down or online angry about the resolution. And it's not what they had in their head, you know, whether it's lost or or. Um, well, and this one very much could be that. Or uh, Game of Thrones famously had the online yeah. tantrums being thrown <laughs> about about no! a I <laughs> wanted Jon Snow. <laughs> you know, whomever it was, Daenerys must have been the queen. Um, but, but but for you, at least, this one has stuck. Well, the see, and the, and the funny the the thing for me is, it's like knowing no, you know, and I don't want to give it away because it's so good. Like, it's one of those things that, like, some people would be just like, oh, that's crap. That pisses me off or that makes me mad. But then there's other people that are like, yes, that makes sense with this overarching story of what happened, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but the funny thing is, is they actually did in the video game that I was speaking of earlier, they did an alternate ending that could also placate people if, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like if it, you know. In the online discourse today, it's going to be really hard to get unison and unified uh, yeah. of some, especially for for franchises that have such large fan, fan bases and, and devoted fan bases. It's it's really hard to do something that they're they're all pleased with. You know, it'd be kind of like if they if like at the end of How I Met Your Mother, they said, OK, we're, we're going to have a completely one where a completely different one where, you know. She's miraculously cured of cancer or something, you know, like, a clue ending. Choose your own. Whatever makes you happy is your yes. <laughs> which, you know, I'm completely fine with because, as you know, I love clue. Yes. Um, so but yeah, like and and one of the things and I may have told this story already, 
at the beginning of this episode so you can cut it out because I don't remember. Um, but at the local comic convention, I actually got to meet Phil Lamar. Um, and he, he came and he was at, you know, the, 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 and I, you know, I always am wishy-washy about meeting or like getting an autograph from somebody or something like that, because they are very expensive and I am not a wealthy man. I'm an artist, as you heard already, um, which, you know, if I'm going to make any money, it will uh, be when uh, I'm dead, you know, or something like that. Often struggling. Famously. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's funny too, because when I, when I was in high school, I had a psychology teacher and he went around and asked everybody what they were going to be when I grow up and when they grew up and I thinking that I was funny said, I'm going to be a poor artist. And he said, you, did you mean that you're going to be a bad artist or you just not going to have a lot of money? And so I've always been very careful about the way that I say it since then, <laughs> just for that reason, because I'm a, actually a very good artist. At least I think so. I've okay. got a lot of work uh, to do, but we're speaking with the designer as uh, one, one small example of your art, oh. but I've seen, I've seen your larger scale uh, art that you do. And yes, listeners, I will uh, sign off on uh, Nick being a good artist. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I've worked hard at it. So, you know, that helps. You get good at anything if you work hard. Um, but I went to Phil Lamar and I, that was my splurge, right? Like that was my, okay, this is the one thing that I'm going to get. And that's usually how I play these things. Cause otherwise I'll just be like, I want everything and spend thousands of dollars. So I have to have discipline like Samurai Jack. And I waited for a time when there wasn't a lot of people in his line. And, and, you know, I just kind of like hung out and I went up and I just said, you know what? I, I love this show. I love it so much. It's, it's amazing. Um, and he, you know, I'm sure that 90% of the people that came up to talk to him about Samurai Jack, you know, said the same thing, you know, or, you know whatever other show they wanted to talk to him about and i i said i'm really excited for the new season because at this point it hadn't come out yet and he said i'm going to tell you a secret i said i finished recording it yesterday and i was like what he's like yeah i literally just got back from the from the recording sessions for the whole series and then i got on a plane and came here and i was like really and he's like yeah and the only thing i'm going to tell you is it does not disappoint and it's it's awesome and so like i waited for how it was probably two three years until it came out i was like <laughs> phil lamar said that it was amazing and i was just like waiting for it to come out you know I and it came out i was just like ah! i watched it like every night and you know i mean it was before i had kids i think well i don't know when did it come out anyway either way um, as soon as it came out, I was, I was on it and I, I loved it. Um, so I would highly recommend it. If anybody has watched this show when they were a kid and they were like, oh yeah, it was that show that was on, it was on, you know, Cartoon Network and it came on and then it just disappeared really after a little while. Um, revisit it, like revisit it. And, and even if you don't revisit all of the seasons of the four seasons, <laughs> that's funny four seasons hotel <laughs> watch the fifth season i think it's 10 episodes they're half hour long 
it's not a big investment, you know, in right. time, but it is just great. I mean, it is just great <laughs> and I can't recommend it enough. So maybe what we'll do is we'll do another one of these in the future, you know, five, 10 years when there's an opening and cause you know, you're booked, you got oh, yeah, many uh, people asking, Definitely. you're, you're yeah. asking, so many people are asking to be on this podcast. I just feel so honored that I would even be a part uh-huh. of it, but I, uh, I think we should just do the fifth season for fun. All right. I, I will put that in for about five years. Let's yep. see. That'll be episode 600. And if you want to do it, if you want to do it, so like 2025-ish. Um, and if you want to do it near my birthday, like we tend to always do, just mark it in for November-ish. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, November? Or whatever you want. <laughs> Let me just I don't, scroll up on the... Oh, you know what? Uh, it's, it's already taken. Yep, yep. You know, yeah. <laughs> those November slots. <laughs> They're big. That's also when Bond tends to come out. So maybe James Bond movie will come out in 2025. I don't I, I can't predict that anything will come out at any date. At any <laughs> Not, no, that's probably will. <laughs> at the time of this recording, nothing is scheduled. <laughs> what? For, for box office release. It's just but, all. No, that is true. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that is a good uh, kind of uh, pin on on Samurai Jack, and I very much enjoyed the episodes that I have seen. So I will have to watch the series, uh, you know, within the next five years, so that we can circle back uh, <laughs> to this now promised uh, future recording. Uh, that is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. For show notes and links to all the other great dueling genre shows, you can go to duelinggenre.com. Please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice, and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We would like to thank all-star guest Nick English for designing our logo. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, yes. And uh, also Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. And if you enjoyed this episode, you might want to go check out episode number 19, when we talked about Star Wars A New Hope, or episode number 36, when we talked about Avatar, The Last Airbender, dipping way back in our in our back catalog. But I think those two series uh, line up with a lot of what we see. Well, And also, right if you just enjoy my voice, you can go listen to the Batman 66 episode, because that's my other like all-star favorite episode of protagonist uh, I, I will pull up the uh the number of that real quick here while i'm pulling that up uh is there anything else you would like to plug nick including your art so um i am an artist you can go and visit my website which i haven't done anything to it for a while probably should um it's nick english like the language art and my name nick is just spelled with a k there's no c so it's n-i-k nick english art.com um, I also am on a podcast that will hopefully be up and running again here soon. We've gone on a little sabbatical, um, but I am part of the uh, podcast called Fandom. Um, and we talk about nerd stuff and we have a good little banter and we have fun. Uh, you can find uh, the Fandom podcast or or Fandom at Fandom Cast on most things. We also have a Facebook group called the Fandomaniacs. Uh, and we have a fun little community there that talks about nerd stuff and inevitably probably a couple times a year i'll post something samurai jack on there too so <laughs> just because i'm like yes everyone look but but yeah you can find me find me there nick english it's my name 
All right. And if you enjoyed hearing Nick, you can go and check him out on episode number 304 when he joined us to talk about Clue. Episode number 267 when we talked about Batman, uh, the 1966 movie. Uh, or episode number 260 when we talked about The Wonder Years. Huh. Episode number 183 when we talked about Singing in the Rain. Oh, episode yes. That's a, that's another one of my favorites. We talked about The Kill of Mockingbird. Oh, yes. Episode uh, 94 when we talked about Stranger Things. That was my oh, first one. I know one. there's also a, qu- a quote special that you were on for as well yeah it was like a christmas special or something where we talked about uh movie quotes so yes so i do feel like i have earned the title all-star so i will wear that badge with honor it's like when you get the facebook top fan (laughs) and you're like yes i will put that badge on my facebook top fan because i am a fan of the protagonist podcast well thank you nick for joining us thank you listeners for downloading this episode and we'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story so long It looks like Joe's gone. That's not good. Nope. Um. Well, if you've got the recording, (laughs) well, stop it here and then combine them together.